We have returned, so has the Premier League. It's back to normal service. We will be running through each game from the weekend. A lot has happened. A lot has happened. And we're going to start at the bridge. But first, before we get there, I'm joined by Jack, who most likely is a bit deflating off all the developments this this week. And I want to get your thoughts on that before we move to the battles, the bridge, which turned out to be a tastier affair than usual. Jack, how are you feeling? I'm pissed off, bro. I'm not going to lie. Like, Chelsea have actually done us. Full disclosure, there's only one winner, and that is Brighton and Southampton. Brighton is the main winner, but the dick swing contest... Todd Bowley's got a big cock and FSG don't have big cocks and I'm pretty annoyed about it to be honest because we went and, we went and tried to we went and tried to bid for Caicedo I was like that's so suspicious there's there's no rumours there's no need for this this doesn't feel like a genuine transfer it's very out of character for FSG so I was a bit suspicious but I'd had a few beers at that point so sort of warmed to the idea that it was going to happen obviously the news started filtering that Chelsea were going to get him they got him. I thought, cool, all right, we'll just go in for Lavia. We'll probably pay a bit more. Saw the fee was agreed, got excited. Boom, Chelsea signed him as well. So I'm <laughs> sick of it. Todd can get fucked. Like, what is this? And I literally, this is how sad, this is how sad it is to be a Liverpool fan now. I googled top 25 defensive midfielders in the world right now. And I looked at the list. There's only about two names on there that really make any sense. And one of them... Manu Kone, we already been linked with him, binned him off for some reason. And the guy that Nottingham Forest just tried to buy from PSV, Sumare. So, in conclusion, I sincerely hope deeply that Curtis Jones can play number six. <laughs> because him and Vegetic are going to be battling for that role all fucking season. And we are coming sick. <laughs> uh, so, what I think's happened is, right, Kaiseido destined for Chelsea from the start right but then there was rumours that Chelsea were about to go for Labia after two or three bids after Liverpool where Liverpool went below the shift in the asking price so in response Liverpool have gone big for Caicedo to kind of be like fuck you Chelsea try and get away from that target we'll go for yours so then a bid was agreed 110 mil late in the night on a Thursday this week last week even right so that's happened but then Caicedo for whatever reason didn't fancy Liverpool wanted Chelsea Right? So then, okay, like you say. But then, yeah, Chelsea have thrown a curveball and gone full Avia as well. And now the deal's been accepted. So I have to say, it's a disaster class from John from John Henry. And clearly, Capital have come Mate. out on winners. It's 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 one of the most strangest sagas of all time. And the questions are now being asked on Chelsea's FFP, right? Like, how on earth are they allowed to do this? <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, it is all very suspect, but... Big, big Daddy Todd, mate. Big Daddy Todd. He's actually running things now. He is the new daddy of the Premier League. He's cut to Liverpool. He's coming for City and Arsenal next. He's 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 got it. He's actually got it. We all laughed at him, but he's actually got it. He's not even going to break FFP because they're just doing these stupid contracts. Maybe in three years they'll be fucked. They'll probably find a way out. Honestly, he's cracked it. I'm envious. I actually hate him so much. Fuck you, Chelsea. Fuck you, Todd. Um, but thought one one was a fair result in the match. So yeah, well, look, you, I want to say this. In conclusion, it was very clear from the outset that both teams needed a number six. So you can understand why everyone was going for Kaiser and Lavia because 
as 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 good as Liverpool looked in the first twenty minutes, they couldn't sustain that level of pressure. And I think once Chelsea got a foothold in the game, um, the, the the game was just passing through Liverpool's midfield. You've got too many talented playmakers and mm-hmm. not enough kind of steel. So you were playing direct, playing on the counter, and goodness me, it worked one that could have gone two 0 up after Salah was marginally ruled offside. The first goal from Luis Diaz was brilliant play, an amazing yep. goal. Um, and you think you'd all Liverpool look good here, you know, big statement from them. But they just couldn't keep that momentum up, and I think that is where the problem lies: is you do not have a number six at the base of midfield just to kind of screen and protect and keep the ball. Who would have thought? Who, it, who, who would have thought? thought going into the season a number six would be important? And what did we do? We just sold them both. Sold Henderson. Sold Fabinho. We were like, lads, don't worry, we have a plan. And that plan was to shit our pants, bid a world record bid for Caicedo, and then look like absolute mugs. It's not the best plan. And if we only make one more signing this summer, Liverpool fans, let's bring back Michael Edwards. Let's just sign him back up. Let him write down whatever number he wants and stop being an embarrassing football club. So we used to be really good at transfers. We used to just get them done. We used to just stealthily sign unreal players. Man United to be linked to them for weeks. Boom, they've signed for Liverpool, you know? Now, we're just we're shitting our pants constantly. Um, but, yeah, things could have been very different in this game. I thought Salah's goal, if I'm going to be honest, I don't think it was offside. And I just don't think that that's a... I just don't think that's a right decision. And I think VAR... They picked up where they left off last season. Didn't give us a pen until February. Fucking ruining us already. Game one, game week one. Two decisions I'm not happy about. I thought there were new rules for offside this season. And maybe I'm wrong. But I was sure that offside was more like daylight now. It wasn't just like the hair on his armpit is over this arbitrary line that we've just drawn. There, yeah, it's offside. I thought, I thought this there too. Was a bit more distinction this season. Yet yeah, that, I mean, that goal was to me that was onside. Like maybe his arm was offside. I mean, the lines, the line said it was offside. And in fairness, Chelsea also had a ruled out goal to Ben Chill, which was marginal at best. So perhaps you can say it was fair enough. Um, but I also thought the rule had changed. Evidently not across the whole weekend there have been marginal offside calls that have you know been called I think there's one thing that we need to talk about which is the Nicholas Jackson handball look like clear as day handball to me I don't know how that wasn't oh. given I was like oh he's in trouble there he's in trouble there he's literally that is for me a stonewall penalty because his arm although tucked it's in not handball. he just he does handball it if it's not a handball what is it like nothing else can be a handball after that like I actually hate Chelsea I hate Chelsea so much they've annoyed me so many ways in the last few weeks but this this is just this is a handball hand ball very clear it's honestly very simple you see some given where they're like sliding on the floor and it hits their elbow which is underneath their body and that's a handball apparently so I don't really know how someone with a good three seconds to get out of the way just punches the ball, almost scores an own goal, admittedly. Starful, starful, he almost scored an own goal. It felt like VAR was scared to make the decision because it was a thoroughly balanced match up until that point. Felt like they just didn't want the controversy that comes with making such a call, but yeah, it does feel like they copped out a little bit there. So Liverpool can count themselves a bit unlucky, but I do worry for Liverpool in their current kind of iteration not enough steel and they Mate. can't 
You know, they reverted to the null. That midfield is brilliant, right? It's a great ball from McAllister. Zobo's line was brilliant, I felt. But it's just too top-heavy. And I think Liverpool won't be able to control games with that midfield. They'll have to play on the counter. And I just don't think that's sustainable for the whole season. It felt like they were reverting to the norm by the end of the game, which is, you know, getting the ball, pinging it to Salah and hoping for the best. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting time for Liverpool. can only hope that they find a holding midfielder before the end of the window. If you know any, mate, tell them to give us a ring because uh, we are out of ideas. We're taking referrals at this point. If you've got any mates who play DM pretty good, give us a call. That guy, that guy TP... What's the day? Tours party, hundred mil. Send them over. Yeah. We're desperate. <laughs> I know we we've got too many. That's all he did last season in a one man midfield. That's all he did. He was good, you know. No, I agree. Okay, we're desperate. Paulinho, hundred mil. Everyone knows we've got hundred mil. Yeah, now, exactly. So it's ruined. It. It's ruined. But more on the game. More on the game. We'll come back to the. Hopefully, there'll be developments there. Salah's tantrum. Let's talk about that. Subbed off in the seventy sixth for Ben Doak felt like it was the right decision I think he faded from the game at the end but he wasn't happy it's not looking happy in Liverpool camp first game to say what are your thoughts on that I love Mo don't care Mo you can tantrum anytime you want Mo scores every opening weekend he felt like he was robbed of a goal I feel like he was robbed of a goal I feel like you just leave him on because he's always good for a goal out of nowhere but you know what fuck it it was a political move I think Ben Doak bring him on just so just so FSG can see we actually have not that many players as you thought even in the forward lines our backup right winger is 17 years old what's up with that so I think it was more of a political move you know sometimes managers when they want to transfer and the owners are there and they want to send a message they'll purposely send on a kid or they won't make any subs Reno used to do it all the time Conte loved doing it I feel like there's a bit of politics going on and honestly Ben Doak is like probably like one of our best youngsters anyway he's been good at pre-season it's not like a random random kid he is very very talented nah sorry but the drop off is I too severe too severe can't be going into the season with him as your backup right winger I'm sorry you can't exactly. it's not even a... he's got everybody talking about it Jürgen's got everybody talking about it FSG will be like okay maybe we do need to invest some more money because how the fuck have we got to this point who even is that guy it's all part of the bigger picture it's all part of the political game of Jürgen Klopp to get some fucking money from FSG for once I think maybe maybe and Henry was in the crowd there so significant obviously not significant enough for uh, for Cossier to actually move to Liverpool I guess he just wanted Chelsea I mean if you're getting offered a nine year contract 250k a week you'd probably snap at that you're probably for a destination. I can understand it from that aspect. But we won't waste too much time. We have so many games to get through today. And if one thing we've learned from last season is that we spend too much time on games. So we're going to try and move on. Newcastle 5, Aston Villa 1. Absolute humping on Aston Villa. And they're making me look a bit silly because I did predict that we're going to get top four this season at Newcastle's expense. So already that's looking like it's in the mud. I have to say, at 2-1... It felt like a very even game. Villa could get themselves back in. And horrendous mistake. Isaac gets in. Bosh, 3-1. And then it's just goals galore, isn't it? Newcastle looking good. Yeah, Newcastle properly purring. It was interesting Interesting to know. A lot of the debutants scored. Like Diaby scored for Villa. Tonali scored after six minutes. Oh, no. Harvey Barnes Harvey scored Barnes. on the nice first minute. 
And I think like that bodes very well for all those signings because there's nothing worse than having a few quiet games and just feeling a bit of pressure, especially if you have a big price tag attached to you. Um, they've kind of got that. They've got that done already. That first goal's in. Everyone knows they're good. Like now they can just relax. So yeah, Tenali is mugging right off really. there. No, he looked brilliant. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just like pinging the ball Sonali around. Great, great goal. He deceptively quick. He's big. Oh. He's strong. He's box to box. Does make me wonder again why Liverpool didn't just think, hey, there's a the defensive <laughs> midfielder. How are Newcastle getting away with signing all these good players un- unchecked? Like they make transfers look so simple. They just buy the right players for each position at good prices. It's all very frustrating. Yeah, mate, mate, get your Liverpool glasses off. They yeah. are. They are ready. Newcastle are cooking this season. They are establishing themselves as a top four. It's hard to say. Business. Nah, it's hard to say. Early season. No, think of the freak results. 4-0 Brentford. Man United last season. I do feel like Aston Villa maybe are just kind of gearing up. You know, Pau Torres is absolutely overwhelmed. Bless him. Don't blame him at all. First game. Football's fast as anything. Um, and the game's passing him by at times. But you do expect that they'll pick it up. But... Yeah, not a great result. And I think they've just got to move on. I think Newcastle away is going to be a tough game. Let's talk about Isaac, because Isaac is looking brilliant, isn't he? He almost reminds me a bit of Thierry Henry, the way that he kind of just glides around in his language style. He's not as fast, obviously. indeed. If I had to say it, Isaac is looking really special in this game. As you say, hopefully he can remain injury-free. I'm sure the Geordies all need that as well. Yeah, he can remain injury-free... I feel like this will be his real like seminal season because last season we got a taste of it but he very much shared that attacking role with Callum Wilson arguably he was second fiddle to Callum Wilson for a lot of it I think this season he's going to establish himself as one of the main men in the league you know Haaland will obviously be the best striker in the league until Haaland leaves but with Harry Kane gone I think there is an opportunity for someone to establish themselves as the second best and he seems like a great candidate to do that easy 20 goals a season if he stays fit he just looks good like he just is classy he's elegant he's suited to the Premier League weirdly and again makes a mockery of the fact that there's no value in the transfer market because everyone knew he was a good striker everyone knew he was one of the best young ones so to everyone who needs a striker just buy Jonathan David he is the next one Chelsea buy Jonathan David I know you love it Manchester United say you know he's there Isaac is proof that if you buy the right good young forwards that everyone knows are good and not random ones you're going to have a good time and that second goal the dink very nice very, very nice very nice Geordie's ticking along nicely under Eddie Howe and I suppose I should mention Jason bloody Tyndall he was there shouting instructions stealing the limelight everyone <laughs> nah. hates him everyone hates him and it's so about Tyra Mings ACL not looking good you know it was a non-contact as well looking like the season could be over there's a lot of ACLs another severe one as well coming up in the next game recovery people are saying right and this is a real conspiracy this one all the ACLs seem to be coming from players who played in America pre-season is there anything to do with the pitches Ooh. Real Madrid have suffered heavily Courtois Militao and Arsenal unfortunately accrued one last in the game against Forest, which we'll come on to is there a is there a point is there a point? Now, I'll tell you what Twitter's saying. Twitter reckons it's the vaccine, and I'm inclined to agree. All right? How many ACLs have we had since the COVID <laughs> vaccine, eh? 
You know what I mean? Oh, Matt Letizia, what do you that reckon? That is phenomenal. What do you reckon? Bloody hell. Well, <laughs> God. Can you imagine Matt Letizia getting hold of this room? Bloody hell. Uh, no one tell him. That is... That is combining two completely random conspiracies into one, and I'm so here for it. Arguably, just too much, too much non-important football being played, I would say. Like, all of these little tournaments around the world probably didn't need them after what felt like the longest season ever last season. There's yeah. the World Cup in the middle. Players just haven't had a break. Mm-hmm. It's not that surprising that they're broken. And if I'm being really pessimistic, the introduction of more added time to really maximise the length of all of the games to their true length, I think it's going to have some really bad consequences for injuries because I don't think players actually need any more minutes. As fans, I'm here for it. Selfishly, I'm interested, but expect a lot of injuries, I think, this season. Well, because all of those extra minutes, is, you know, that's maybe like an extra four games across the season. That's a good point. I guess, yeah. I mean, players are already complaining, right, about the amount of football. And let's go on to the next game, because again, an ACL to a very cheap player for Arsenal. Jurian Timber went down in the 50th minute, knee problem, looking like I mean, looking like an ACL, to be honest with you. And it's really depressing, because he was one of the standout performers for Arsenal, really slotted in, playing at left back, looked terrific. Everyone was so excited. And now he's gone down and he's looking like he's out for at least half the season. At least, that's being uncle, right? At least half the season. The real question, though, the real question is, Hugh, did the Arsenal fans sing the song? Because it's perfect. Oh, that's so rude. That'd be hilarious, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's going down. I'm yelling to burn. It's going down. It's yelling to burn. There goes his ACL. You better move. God, dude, honestly, it's heartbreaking, so good, brother. It's heartbreaking to see that. And it really put a damper over what is what should have been a comfortable opening win for Arsenal. Two, you know what? Well, two fantastic goals. Martinelli, the first assist like- was just disgusting. Like the little roulette pass. Was it deliberate? Yes, it was. It absolutely was. And Ketia, again, finch of a plum. And I'm silencing his it doubters. Not- it was. It was not deliberate, the pass. It was. The, the pirouette was fucking unreal. It was not deliberate. It was. There's, it was. There's no way that was deliberate. It was too good. It was. Mate, you're no underestimating way. young Gabby, mate. He is, he is proving to be a sandal baller. He, he is. He is he's unreal. But that, I don't think that was deliberate. I think he meant to do it, but I don't think he meant to pass. I think he meant to carry on. Oh, to disagree we're not going to waste too much time in it but it was a great goal from Nketiah and apparently Nketiah was undroppable due to his form in training um, for some reason people still doubting him as a backup striker to Jesus he's more than good I enough I don't understand no people I just don't understand why the hate he's 23 he's homegrown he scores goals more than enough I think for a backup striker and he doesn't complain mm-hmm. and he's not on loads of money well, he's not just got even, a, a brilliant mentality you know he understands yeah. that he's got to work hard and he does it in the right way as Arteta alluded to in the post-match interview he's saying you know, you'd be and blind and how many football clubs in the Premier League would love to have Nketiah I would argue most teams in at least the bottom 10 would have him as a starting striker oh yeah which to me is more than good enough as a backup striker like Everton would would literally give up anything they would sacrifice a small child to have Nketiah up front they are crying out for someone who can just score goals and that's like many many teams so Arsenal fans stop crying he's good 
It does make me feel weird that he's ahead of Balogun, though, because you just assume that well, Balogun is going to uh, come back and be number two. You know what? Balogun doesn't have the right attitude for what Arteta wants, and I can see him if he, you know, I, I don't see him being ahead of Eddie just because Eddie's got got way more experience in the Prem. I don't care if she scored twenty goals in the league. And can you do it in the Prem? Balogun hasn't shown enough. Clearly not shown enough. So Arteta, at this point, we just trust the decision. But let's move on. Absolute rocket from Saka. I'm glad you pointed that out. What a finish. That is what he's capable of. You know? Wee. That is what he's capable that was of. That was, that was so good. So, so good. It was like the power and precision. And just the fact that it wasn't even a surprise. You're just like, yeah, that is sick. That is so sick. He's so good. You're so lucky. I can't believe there was a time where he wasn't... He was potentially, you know, not going to sign a contract... And there was a chance that someone could get Saka. See, that's such a long time I mean, ago if, now. If, if last season you know hadn't I mean? happened, we would be in that situation. It's just, you know, it's, it's yeah, we're just lucky. We're not lucky. You know, it's, no, it's nothing to do with luck, but we're so lucky that he's come through the Arsenal Academy. And he's also, he always wants to get better. He's never rested on his laurels. And I think Saka, Saka is, is the golden boy of this team. And he can he's the one that can lead us to things hopefully big titles um, but without him let me ask let me ask you a question Kai Saka do you think he's just he's living the same path as Gareth Bale in the fact that he's left footed he started as a left back was okay and then he moves to right wing and he's become like fucking unstoppable maybe and there are similarities I see a lot of similarities between the two of them different players but Generally, I know what you mean yeah. I, I understand the trajectory is kind of the same the path that they've taken hopefully he doesn't go to Real Madrid but you do think if we don't kick on and actually win something he'll start looking sooner rather than later you know I think we've got the next two years are critical all these players are tied down in two years we'll have to start renegotiating thinking Saliba Martinelli etc etc so yeah it's just critical isn't it but if anyone's going to do it it's Arteta in this team I don't know I don't think the board could have yeah. done any more. Declan Rice made his debut, looked solid enough. You know, no fireworks for sure, hit the post. But yeah, I think the team that we've got, the first 11, if they're all fit, can go toe-to-toe with Man City. I truly believe that this season. So it's going to be really interesting from that aspect. I can see you slagging off Havertz in the notes. Outrageous. I thought he, <laughs> I thought he offered more than enough. You think we would have noticed Kai Havertz? But that's zero zero one, my man. We are counting. We are counting. I actually really like him. He adds, he adds something. I haven't He's quite rubbish. put my finger on it yet, but he definitely adds something. No one can put their finger on it, Hugh, because it doesn't exist. He won all of his it jewels. He is a little that's bastard in midfield. I don't know. I... That's like saying, like, that's like saying Virgil Van Dijk had all of his shots on target last game. It's, like, it's irrelevant. Irrelevant stats. Look, mate, it's all hunky-dory as long as we keep winning. I don't care if he gets 007. I don't care if he gets 0011. Right? This guy deserves to play for Arsenal. Clearly, he's showing enough to be in the team. It's interesting. I do think the left-sided midfield, I think he'll come good eventually. It may not It may not come in, in, in goals and assists, Jack, but anyone will tell you that football's more than goals and assists. And I think it's unfair to beat him with that stick. Yeah. Maybe not for a centre forward though. Maybe not for someone playing. He's not playing centre forward line. anymore. So you know, poop on that. Anyway, Burnley nil, Manchester City three. Oh, you hopes, uh, you hopes that maybe Burnley would get one over. But within three minutes, Haaland has resumed service. 
and uh, they never looked like they were going to get back into it. And why would you? Because you play against Man City, who were absolutely dominant in this game, weren't they? Yeah, it happened again. We thought maybe something happened, and four minutes in, everyone stopped watching. It was over. Dunzo. And same old, really. We're going to struggle to talk about Man City because Man City don't have jeopardy in their games in the same way that other teams do. They just win, so you don't ever get a chance to refresh how you feel about them. It's just a, a long slog of saying roughly the same thing. Um, I guess Rodri scored again. Is that becoming a bit of a thing, goal and assist in this game? I wouldn't say that was his, the main thing that he's bringing to the table, but if he's bringing goals and assists on a regular basis, then... I don't think anyone can argue that he probably is the most complete midfielder. He is the best CDM in the the world. In the world, there's no question anymore. No, the best CDM. Yeah, but, well, he's definitely the best CDM. I'm wondering if he's transitioning beyond that. Because if he's adding goals and assists, then what can't he do? He can do everything. He is incredible. He's a, yeah, he's unreal. Um, I mean, I guess the main talking points were (laughs) Broida rushed back. Because De Bruyne is a very impatient, angry man. And he got injured again. So oh, we'll yeah. see what happens with that. That is bad, that. I do... I would say that if De Bruyne is out for any length of time, with Gundogan gone and De Bruyne injured, that is a little bit hard to fill with Kovacic and Calvin Phillips or whoever the fuck they put in there, Bernardo Silva. Yeah. There is a drop-off there. There is a so, drop-off. One to watch... Because he's, you know, he's 32 now and he does get injured quite a lot. They will take the toll at some point, but he is also superhumanly good and he does tend to recover from injuries twice as fast as the average player. Oh. So that's one point. I guess the other point, Pep is just a very strange man, isn't he? Just a very performative <laughs> man shouting at Haaland at half-time. That was a bit sus, that. The clip of Haaland just screaming at Bernardo Silva like a couple of minutes before was also similarly ridiculous. So, fighting fire with fire is old Pep. Pushing the camera away, I thought it was genius. Nice, like, scene-ending little move that. Um, they're just angry You know lads, what? It's they? all they're the ploy, isn't men. it? It's just mad management. Yeah. He knows how to get the best out of Haaland. Just and it's just always shouting at him and never letting him know that he's doing well. Because... I guess you could get complacent if you're big and you're just banging in goals for fun, right? Um, so, yeah, it's just probably part of his performative man management, isn't it? But, yeah, it's funny guy, Pep. Funny guy to watch. Does he annoy me? He yes, he does. Does he get results? Yes, he does. So it's hard to really... It's hard to have a go at it, really. I think we can all agree at this point that Pep is, has changed English football forever and ultimately for the better. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the best. He's the best manager, I think. Right, but quick word on Burnley. Ferguson. They're a bit shit. But yeah, but he's, he's the best manager. You know what I mean? What are you going to do against City? It's hard to judge Burnley. Um, but it was nice to see them actually try and play a bit of football, but you don't do that against the Masters. You may as well have actually just gone full Burnley. We learned nothing Burnley. from this game. Nothing, right? We learned nothing, nothing from this game. Like, we'll revisit that. There's nothing that we can say about Burnley because they played Mad City and Mad City have just battered them. They'll be better. They'll probably be better. Um, oh, well. Burnley fans... Don't throw lighters at football players. You know? Don't boo taking the knee. It's a very 2023 thing, isn't it? To throw a vape. You're not Sean Deitch's team anymore. You're not a Brexit team anymore. You have a Belgian manager and you play continental football. Embrace Europe. Embrace it. And also, Rico Lewis seems like a very nice lad. If you're going to throw lighters, 
just go find some fucking jobs on the street and throw lice at them plenty of teenagers deserve to have lices thrown at them I would say he's not one of them so fuck off fair fair let's move on one more game before the break why not Brighton 4 Luton 1 again I put loads of Brighton players in my uh, my fantasy team because I just assumed they were going to bang loads of goals again this season but I put Gross and so in and neither scored so I'm very upset by that uh, do not get oh, many points I don't though. miss that feeling no. I do not miss that feeling one bit no. that empty FBL checking where you're like oh Brighton won 4 one if you look at your players two points and two points and you're like Perfect. if it was two points and two points Perfect. I'd be happy but it was two and one S-pins you should have got an assist so I was happy with that uh, little tip on that Adingra do you feel like he's having a breakout season he was good in pre-season wasn't he touched on it in pre-season and he scored here yeah, great performance for Brian but again against Luton at home you would expect around a 4-1 win wouldn't you really pretty much I'd say this is welcome to the Premier League Luton it's a fucking horrible place to be because you get banked by basically everyone constantly and I thought Brighton tactically are interesting we know Deserby we're all big big fans of Deserby the future Man City manager in waiting yeah. and he went mad for man on Luton who are famously very 4-4-2 and very like non-leaguey and basically just said you're better than Luton so just beat a couple of them one-on-one I'm looking at you Jao Pedro in particular to beat your man one-on-one and you've got space and that's what they did and it just they just destroyed them constantly like Luton couldn't double up on people because Brighton was so tight man for man and it just made they just made it quite an easy game because Brighton are just better at football than them. And so the chance of Brighton breaking them down one-on-one is is pretty high. And I feel like, yeah, that's going to be an interesting tactic to see if that plays out a lot more. Although there's no shame in getting battered by Brighton. They are just superior. Yeah, exactly. Brighton are just a superior football team. And, you know, they had some big departures. Lost by say, you know, I don't really know if they really replaced Kaiseido in midfield. We can talk about James Milner. That's yeah, right, Nick. Um, it's not really. Yeah, this this new guy, James Milner. <laughs> like, I don't know where he's come from, but the Brighton Academy keeps producing. Yeah. He's effervescent, flying into challenges. Big fan. Yeah, a few clubs that could use some of that kind of passion in the middle. Really, really interesting to see who Brighton will replace Kaiseido with for that Chonga, Chonga, Cash, and. Um, there's no doubt they'll pluck someone from obscurity and mould him into their next 100 mil player and speaking of 100 mil players you rightly marked him out here Ferguson going to be the next big striker isn't he he's fucking brilliant isn't he yeah I forgot that he's still 18 because we talked about him for a good 6-7 months but he's actually still 18 and he's massive so he looks like he's about 24 Um, yeah I feel like 20 goals in the Premier League this season isn't even that mental definitely 20 goals in all comps Spurs are going to go in for him next season I'm calling it early Spurs 100 mil bid next summer he'll be the next one fill the Harry Kane void he'll be the next one I'm I'm, I'm, I'm picking him out to have a big season with Brighton he was yeah. brilliant towards the yeah, back yeah. end of last season and, and it looks like he's just going to continue so that's it part one we've got the five other games going in off the break see you Welcome back to From the Backseat Football Podcast. 
we are moving into the back half the slightly less interesting games but we've got some fun stuff at the end so please stick around uh, first up is Brentford 2 Tottenham Hotspur 2 and the first game after Harry Kane sad times for Spurs but Son is the new captain we love Son he was announced as a new captain midweek slightly weird video from Poster Coglu a lot of um, sort of awkward body language rubbing his neck looking slightly uncomfortable doing a presentation and I feel like Son has personified that on the pitch um, didn't play very well gave away a penalty in this game and then got subbed off so we would interesting to see how Son uh, fills the hurricane void both in terms of leadership and goals as we progress through the season but I'd say yeah Madison had a really good game you want to talk about Madison Hugh because you did pick him as your sort of summer signing of the season yeah he just looks right at home I was a bit shocked he's taken the number 10 I mean I know Harry Kane's gone I get that it just seemed a bit seemed a bit weird I was watching the game and I felt like this is a completely new Tottenham team like no Reese. the only one that really stood out from, from the old guard is Son mm-hmm. it really is a brand new team under Big Average and to their credit you know they were pretty, pretty good Brentford away is a hard yes. game make no mistake um, and I think the last parts they dominated but yeah back to Madison thought he was really influential sliding some amazing balls that Harry Kane would have put away but now they've got shitty Ricky up front yep. <laughs> <laughs> who I thought would you know now he's got his chance to land number nine might really he's rubbish didn't show a he's lot rubbish. did he he's rubbish like I know he starts for Brazil but Fred do you remember old Fred the original Fred striker he started for Brazil Brazil have a long history of having the best team in the world and then just an awful striker. Yeah, but was good for Brazil, where he's rubbish for Brazil and for... Richardson's just and not for that his, guy, I don't know who he played for, he's but... He's just not that guy. He's not. He's not. They might struggle up front. Do you know what? Do you know who is that guy? Emerson Royale. I don't know what the fuck's going on with this guy, but I remember he was a clown for about 12 months, being generous. He was basically just a joke. And since Pedro Porro's come in, or slightly before that, he's just been like one of the best right backs in the league consistently, both defensively and offensively. And he scores an amazing goal in this just to show that it's carrying on. It's not faded away. I don't, I don't get it because it's under different managers. Um, but yeah, he's kind of freaking me out. And I just feel for Pedro Porro, to be honest. Like, what a time to sign for Spurs and just probably get stuck on the bench for long periods. But yeah, he's just, he's a weird guy, Emerson Royale. I don't trust it. I don't like it, but he's unreal. I don't know why he was popping up in Cannes, but it was a great finish for the second goal equaliser, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Just a volley. Just a brilliant volley into the corner. And yeah, I like this new look, Spurs. And I do feel that the pressure's off them now that they've sold Kane. Because the expectation has dropped dramatically, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that will benefit Big Ange in the long run. I think having the Kane saga dragging out into the start of the season, I know Kane wouldn't have had that evil way with a stayed if he didn't move to Bayern, but I think you have to look at the positives from it and think, there's, I don't know, it's hard with Kane. I was about to say there's probably a Ronaldo sort of where he's brilliant at the detriment of the team, but Harry Kane is one of those centre forwards that perhaps isn't a detriment to the team because he does play with the build up. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but I still feel I still feel the pressure's off them. So you know, they won't be expected to do as well now the Kane's gone. So if they do do well, then yeah, you know. 
I don't know what I'm trying to say. Actually, the more I think about it, I think Harry Kane should have stayed because <laughs> saving Harry Kane. <laughs> there you go, listener. A massive U-turn from Hugh. He talks himself out of it. But Harry Kane is gone. He's just so good, Harry Kane. He is gone. He is gone and he's cursing Bayern Munich into not winning silverware. The Harry Kane curse oh, continues. Do you know what would honestly, this would be so funny if this season Spurs win like the League Cup or something. It would be so fucking funny. Not for him, because Harry Kane's a good lad. You can see it happening. You can see it. You can so see He'll it. He'll win the Bundesliga. If he doesn't He'll win the Bundesliga, know. the curse is real. <laughs> 11 years on the trot. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, anyway, this is a Bundesliga part. I'm about to go into Steele about how I'm looking good. It doesn't matter. Brentford, to their credit, look very dangerous on the break. And yep. again, put Rico Henry in the STL team if you haven't already, because that guy is going to be getting lots of assists. Love the guy Rico was Henry. bursting down the left-hand side all game. Love all that game. guy. Rico Henry. How has no one bought him yet? He's English, he's a left-back, and he's fucking great. I just don't get it. He's so good. Big fan. Um, I think what's also nice for Brentford fans is as they wait for Ivan Tony to come back and play football, and we don't know what state he's going to return in because apparently he's not allowed to actually touch a football, look at a football, watch football, even just say the word football. So I don't know how it's <laughs> going to play out. Um, but apart from all that, Mbwemo and Wissa on the score sheet is about as good as you can get in the absence of him. Um, and I think, yeah, that's nice for all Brentford fans that immediately they can see that maybe it won't be so bad. Maybe the goals won't just dry up immediately. And you would trust Brentford to just carry on chugging along and just being good yeah I mean a style of play there's such a distinct style of play that it almost you'd like to think that the system is stronger than the individual when it comes to Brentford right but yeah. a question penalty or no penalty I'm actually struggling I'm struggling to remember the incident to be honest so I'm going to need to VAR myself right now and just defer to the fourth official which is you Penalty. <laughs> the only problem was he got touched on like the other got touched on his right leg and went down clutch on his left and went out. Yeah, but there was contact. You know, you has to give it. But he could have stayed on his feet. I'll be honest with you. He could have stayed on his feet. It's one of them, mate. It's one of them where the incentive is to go down then, and he's profited. So why wouldn't you? Yeah. No, it's, yeah, you go down because there's more chance for goals. So I personally would have given it, but you'd be annoyed if you're a Stairs fan. Put it that way. But I think 2-2 was a fair result, all things considered. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a promising opening. It's an opening, you know, result for, for Big Ant, in his new tenure, who I do like. He's got that aura of a, of a Greek restaurant manager, and we always love that. <laughs> um, it's hard. It you know, he's the first likable Spurs manager since Bob. So I think you'd be happy. He, he's a likeable guy I'll give you he does strike me as sort of like dad's down the boozer who is a nice guy but doesn't really know what he's talking about and I still think he's going to get sacked soon I don't think he's going to do very well. well let's see let's see we'll agree to disagree on that one right on to Old Trafford Manchester United won Wolves yes. nil now to the I'll be honest controversy because after some light penalties some things happened in this game. One thing, particularly. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's just go on to it. That foul in the 95th minute or I'm whatever. Not, from not on. How is that not I'm not a fucking happy about it. Are you not talking about that? 
Oh, right, you're talking it. about that. Yeah, oh, mate. It, this it's means about. two things. It means one, Manchester United are fucking back because this is bullshit and everyone knows it's a pen. And then obviously immediately referees are like, PGMOL are like, oh, we're so sorry, Gary O'Neill. That actually was a penalty that should have been given. So Fergie was back in Old Trafford as well. Notice what happened. It's a fucking conspiracy. Every time Alex Ferguson is in Old Trafford, referees suddenly forget how to do their job. It's not a coincidence. They expect to see Fergie yeah. at every home game this season and Manchester United to win the Champions League. It's corrupt. It's all fixed. O'Donnell's a mental goalie and we knew he would be and it won't be the last time. Like, the guy is box the office. The only thing I can think of why it wasn't given is that the ball technically had been cleared by the time contact had happened. Still doesn't erase it from being a foul, though. I mean, if that happened anywhere else on the pitch, you'd give that no question. Referee and VAR have bottled it at Old Trafford. And as you say, is that a size of their back? Now, I will talk about Man United because I thought they were rubbish. Yeah. They were really bad the whole game. And it was always really disappointing to watch. I was expecting... I was expecting them to go really well, you know, Rashford to continue, but if anything, Wolves were the better team. Wolves. By, by quite a distance as well. Under better. Gary O'Neill, they look brilliant. Yeah, miles better. They look really good. When you think about Wolves, you think about no goals and that trend has continued, but the difference is that they were creating the chances as opposed to not creating anything. They had 23 shots. Yeah. Al Trafford, 23 shots. It's quite incredible. Only six on target because... They can't finish, and that's a real problem. But on another day, this would have been a pretty comfortable 2 0 win to Wolves, honestly. Um, or even like 2 1. Then they would have deserved it. They were better. They just can't score. I think they hit the post at one point. I think they hit the crossbar at one point. It's just one of those days where the gods were against them. Well, 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 but it's the finishing. You know, yeah. there were some good saves. There's some good saves you went on. To be fair, there was that one chance where. I think couldn't you I've no idea how he's hit the post from like a tap in and you just felt like from that point on they just weren't going to happen it's just classic Wolves really they've got a lot of players who are quite good at roughly the same thing which is kind of dribbling carrying the ball none of them are good at goal scoring it's just like a shared curse that they've decided we're all just going to be FIFA Street players so that is a bit of a worry but you know I like Gary O'Neill I have tipped them to go down because you can't lose Ruben Neves, Connor Cody, um, and a few other big stars, and change your manager two weeks before the season starts, and not spend any money, and survive. In my opinion, but Gary Neal has worked miracles with basically the same scenario before, so I would back him to do it if it was going to get done. But I'm not feeling massively confident about them overall. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. But again, Man United are slow starters, it seems. Same last season, right? So, do expect them to pick up. But it was a banana skin that they could have had first game. And it was very flat, Old Trafford. So, to avoid that and get the goal. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah. Fair play, but disappointing for every neutral apart from Man United fans, including both of the hosts on this podcast. Would love to see a little banana skin. But we move on. We move. Bournemouth one, West Ham one. Yes. Just a good game for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we're expecting. Um, I mean, I was excited to see no. Iriola, see what he was about, because the more you read about him, the media, he's the right person to write a really good article about. And so there's a lot of good articles about him. 
talking about his sort of chaotic, high pressure, high aggression tactics. Combine that with Bournemouth and you're like, yeah, plucky underdogs who work really hard. I can see it. I can see it on paper. I thought Bournemouth were pretty good in this game, to be honest. Like, I feel like probably they deserve to win, but West Ham, under old David Moyes, just have better players. And that's just how it goes sometimes. Um, Bowen scored a nice goal. Slacky scored a deserved goal. I think the main takeaway for me is A, West Ham are really struggling to spend the Declan Rice money and that is hilarious. Um, I've seen that Harry Maguire has taken too long faffing around trying to get a payoff from Man United for his contract and West Ham have pulled yeah, out yeah, yeah. as of the time of recording. Hilarious. West, I'd West assume fans, if I was Man United. He touched a bullet. Man United fans, lol, you're stuck with him. Um, and David Brooks. Nice to see David Brooks match fit and play really well because the guy had, what, leukaemia or cancer a few years ago and it's only sort of the back end of last season that he came back after two years out and he looks like he could be hashtag like a new signing because he was really good. I think he was the best player in this game. So I like Bournemouth. I feel like they're going to be fine. They've actually bought quite well, I think. They just buy random players I've never heard of and then I'll just say that they bought well but I just think they're going up slightly. And West Ham, I don't know. You could see West Ham just being in trouble again, couldn't you? I think West Ham are going to struggle. It's almost a curse selling player for 100 mil, stupid yeah. as that sounds. You know, they're, they're in need of new players. And I don't, I'm thinking of Brighton in that 110 mil. Wouldn't strive if Brighton do not sign anyone while they just let that cash flow for a season before they go. But West Ham are in a position where they need key signings, but going to get cucked right because everyone knows they have all this money right you know 50 mil from McTominay is absolutely ludicrous yeah but that's the price that you'll be quoted and it's going to be a problem for them and I have to say I do think West Ham are in trouble but 1-1 result away to Bournemouth not a bad not a bad thing coming no. into this game could have been a could have been a 1-0 win but obviously Slanky gets the late winner I think yeah uh, both teams would have fancied getting three points in this one and a draw is fair but yeah. not ideal for either of them the other thing I just want to add really suit on either. Um, West Ham is that it seems like Paqueta is highly likely to join Mad City for around about 100 mil as well at some point and you think if West Ham have the best part of 200 mil in their pocket they are not going to be able to buy anyone feasibly because nah. everyone's going to be double priced. It's just like when Barcelona sold Neymar for 200 mil, what happened? The price of Dembele doubled. The price of Coutinho doubled. And they got shafted. And it will happen to West Ham now, unfortunately. Unless they've already signed the players, they're going to have a bad time. And I don't think selling your next best player is worth the money at this point. But how can you say no to 100 mil and Man City? It's very difficult. You can't. And if Pagretta wants to leave, then again, you're in that awful situation of, yeah, you're going to have to relent at some point. And I hope they don't leave it too late. But yeah, 100 mil for Pagretta is absolutely insane. Yeah. More about that when it happens. Right. Everton nil, full and one. Everton can't finish. (laughs) Not looking good. The booze have started at Goodison Park already. It's just an awful place to play football, isn't it? Yeah, I think... Neil Mopay's been getting the majority of the stick on social media and he was pretty terrible in this game but this is not new anyone this is not new Everton fans Neil Mopay is shit at scoring goals don't play him up front arguably try and 
try and turn him into a hard-working Joe Ellington-style box-to-box midfielder. Like, I don't know. But everyone was shit at finishing in this game. And the one time they did score mm-hmm. a goal, it was given for a foul on the goalkeeper. Classic. The goalkeeper jumped up Classic. and then fell on James Tarkovsky. This is why Niner annoys me. Never a foul, was Never it? a foul. Never a foul. Goal. Everton deserve to yeah. win this game. Goalies are a protected species, aren't they? Yeah. It was just one of those games, wasn't it? It was just one of those classic games where you play well, you have a lot of shots, you do everything right, and then you get sucker punched. Fulham, two shots on target, they won 1-0. Thanks for the three points, see you later. So, sucker punch. Yeah. I Now, I will say, Everton, along with Jack Harrison, which Katshi has, looks like it's going through, confirmed by Ornstein, Assigned someone called Yusuf Shemiti from Sporting Lisbon this week. Now, one of you may know who that is, but I've had the privilege of managing Shemiti. One football manager. Let me tell you, the guy can score, right? Good signing, in my opinion. Come from Sporting Lisbon, I think you can do bits. He's he's rangy, he's tall, he's not the fastest, but certainly an upgrade on Malpay. So the hope is, I'm sure, they can finally start firing all cylinders and get some goals. Is he a striker? So he's a striker. Um, so maybe it's not okay. all doing England. He's a striker. Yeah. He's an out-and-out striker as well. So watch that space. I have high hopes for him. That's purely off my stupidly stupid football manager notions. Um, that's all the good news we've got, though, for Everton. Unfortunately, you've lost one little home to Fulham. You didn't deserve it. So... Yeah. What are you going to do? Can Sean Dyche turn it around? I, I think know. he was brought into the firefighting. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's the right man to take him forward. It's a horrible job. It's actually a horrible job. You've got all these average players, and you're in crippling debt, so you can't really buy anyone actually decent. And then, Anthony Gordon gets sold, and you're not allowed to replace him. It's just a really horrible job. I don't think Sean Dyche has been given the best hand, but as everyone who listens to this podcast knows, I'll always back my man. So Everton top ten finish standard, um, and we move. We move. We move right on to the final game of the season. Sheffield United nil, Crystal Palace one. I said it. Sheffield United look really unprepared for this yeah. season. Um, you were right. I just, I just don't. I don't know what they're playing at. Buy someone for goodness sakes. They are trying to do their best derby impression where they got what fourteen points derby. Sheffield, like, I don't know if there's financial problems, but you think after getting back into the Prem, they try to capitalise on that, but goodness me, they have done anything. But, and Crystal Palace, flat to the siege. What do you think they're doing? Do you think they're just doing a Norwich where they're like, best case, we stay up, worst case, we get the money and go down, not going to overcommit? I don't know. I mean, we all slandered Bournemouth after they got bonked last season at the start under Parker, but, Gary O'Neill's gone to Wolves so you know he's gone mm. I just I don't really see I mean, what is the value of, of, of coming up and not spending any money what just I guess I guess you will earn loads of money from parachute payments anyway yeah I, right? I, I don't know how much so maybe you, like, you reckon maybe like a single season in the Premier League over the next X amount of years it's got to be worth like close to 100 mil so I feel like you get about 50, 60 mil just from being in the Prem from various sponsorships prize money participation and parachute payments like another 40 so 100 mil for a year's work it's not bad well I guess they're in a situation like oh we didn't actually expect to come to get promoted so now that we're here we're just gonna you know just maintain our wage structure and not have too much spend there selling Sanderberg from what I understand 
Do you think it's just a it's wider not looking issue, great though? if you're a fan? Do you think it's just a wider problem that actually the price of players is going up so fast at the moment at the top level that you just can't really buy anyone when you come from the championship? That jump in price is just too much. Like when Scott McTominay's 50 mil, that guy was like 20 mil like two seasons ago. It's not really a Oh, market the market's view. insane. Yeah. The market's insane now. We can all agree on that. And maybe there is an element of just, you know, self-preservation from an owner perspective, like don't sink too much money into it for us to go down. Certainly, you don't want to go down the Nottingham Forest route if you're, if you're doing it through. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's the tactic, but as a fan, it's pretty uninspiring and this game is pretty uninspiring for them as well. Crystal Palace weren't that great, to be they honest with you. They were there for the taking. Um, they were there for the taking. They were there for the taking. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Roy Hodgson got in a scrap. That's probably the most fun that we had during this game. Jokes. That was funny. No. Jokes, guy. Would you? Would you? Would you? Would you back yourself against seventy-six-year-old Roy? I, I'm not a fighter, but I'd bang Roy out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm inclined to agree with you. I wouldn't back myself against many, but Roy Hodgson at seventy-six. Yeah. If he was twenty years younger, I'd be worried. Yeah. Arguably even 10 years younger, but the man's 76, like, I fancy my chances. Let's see. Let's bloody see. I don't know what else to report on this one. You put here, at least say, as a green personal terms of Chelsea. Is that right? Well, it's one of those where you agree personal terms first. But yeah, the rumours are he's got a £35 million release clause and Chelsea agreed terms with him last week. I guess they're just trying to move a little bit of money around, trying to make the contracts just work to keep in line of financial fair play. But yeah, I think Chelsea are going to sign Elise as well. I think he's a great player. Bad attitudes, but better to go than Chelsea if you got those things. So, yeah, watch this space. Chelsea aren't done. Expect three more signings before the end of the window. I hate Chelsea. We all hate Chelsea at this point. Enemy number one. If they get Elise as well, I'm just going to give up, I think, because it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Did I mention it's not fair? It's not fair. It's not right. Right. They're the games. Well done. We've done that in record time, you know. Boom. We've done that in record time. Bosh. Bosh that. Bosh. Maybe we've missed some key points. It doesn't matter. None of you are listening at this point. So we're just going to go on to other areas of business. Yes. Neymar to Saudi Arabia. Wow. Who would have seen that coming? Let's be fair. If anyone was going to be the golden boy of this new Saudi revolution, it was going to be Neymar. Is he? Um, and you felt like it was untenable for him to carry on at PSG. So it makes complete sense. Yeah. shit loads cash. There's a lot of nice conspiracies and I think the general feeling is that what's happened is Mbappe's remembered that he's actually the sporting director and he's called himself in and Neymar in and gone, one of you's leaving. And he's obviously not leaving. So he said, <laughs> Neymar, you're leaving, mate. You're done. And then as soon as Neymar is sold, guess who's back in the back in the PSG squads and trading with the team? Oh yeah, it's Kylian Mbappe. So classic politics at PSG underway as usual. Um but yeah. Was there a transfer fee involved in this for Neymar? Ninety mil, apparently. Nine mil. Ninety. Oh. Poor. Oh, I was gonna say, what? I mean, PSG probably would have settled for nine mil just to get him out of the team off his yeah. wages anyway. But yeah, and a cool kitty for PSG. Who PSG? It feels landmarky, isn't it? It's over. Their project is over. It's entered a new phase, which is yeah. sustainability. I think we can say that it failed. <laughs> phase one was a failure. I think overall, 
but lessons have definitely been learned in theory. I guess Mbappe's won. I guess Mbappe's cut PSG. Well, Mbappe's currently staying now. Yeah. Currently staying. So make of that what you will. The guy is just using Real Madrid, playing them off against each other to keep getting these new contracts. If, if he does stay, it's a travesty. Yeah. I think it's unbelievable. It's a waste of his talent. But, you yeah. know, who knows with Mbappe? Twists and turns in that saga. But yeah, it's sad to see Neymar go at the age of 30 to Saudi. It is But maybe shocking. that's me just being disrespectful to Saudi. I just think Neymar's just... He's not... He's not nailed his career in the way that I guess he hoped he would. His move to PSG was definitely a mistake. Um... And it's just a sad end, really. Like, the first half of his career, you were like, this guy, this is why he's so special. But then, yeah, just moving to PSG, I don't think the fans loved him enough. I don't think the media loved him enough. I don't think people really rated what he was doing there. Right. Even though he was doing well, right. it's always just the asterisk that it's PSG. And now he's gone to Saudi Arabia, while still perfectly, like, in his prime. Maybe just, you know, just outside of his prime. But, yeah. I don't know, bro. Sad end to Neymar's career, I'd say. But fuck me, the money on the table is a lot. So I can understand it. Yeah. And also, the Saudi League is getting competitive because the quality of player is it's astronomical. Like, it's so impressive, the amount of players they're signing. And they continue that. They'd be one of the top five leagues in the world, too. Yeah. No, no doubt in my mind. It's just that weird disparity between, like, Neymar and then you've just got, like, fucking this guy who's, like, part-time handyman, part-time professional footballer trying to mark him down. Like, there's a real... Yeah. It's a bit of a mishmash at the moment. That's what's quite funny about it. It is a mishmash, but you know that is going to... That is going to level up the more money. They, I mean, it looks like there's no sign of slowing down. I mean, the PIF have got money to burn for days, mm-hmm. you know? And I hate to say it, but people speaking about the Saudi League more often than not. I mean, we saw that Ronaldo's, I forgot he plays with Al Nasir, just won the Saudi Cup. Who even cares last year? And now everyone's talking about him winning the Saudi Cup. Yeah. Well, and that's what, that's the reason for the investment, right? It's exposure to Saudi Arabia and their products. It's worked. It has it's worked. It's not about, because it's wor- oh, it's worked. With, like, without a shadow of a doubt, it's worked. 90% of football fans can name at least one Saudi Arabian club now, which I think even, yeah, last year, probably 1%. So it has worked in that regard. Still a bit, still a bit of a weird one, though. You don't know how permanent it is yet, but. They are fucking going for it. Fair play to them. Who's whose name were actually joined? Which team? I want to say Al Hilal, but don't quote me on that. So not Ronaldo's team. No, no, thankfully not, because that'd be too far one way, wouldn't it? Interesting. Al Hilal, yeah, eighty-six million pound deal. He's agreed to it. I think he's going to pick up three hundred mil over that's the length of his contract. The same as. Benzema either right so maybe Mate, I don't know enough no. about the two I'm just, I'm just trying to work out if all of the sort of public, publicly funded Saudi clubs they all have one megastar now um, I think so so one's yeah, got I Ronaldo so. one's got Benzema I think so. one's got uh, Neymar and it seems like the other's got Firmino at the moment so maybe watch that space yeah. but it's got Firmino Mores and some Maximans so they seem to be distributing it evenly. Yeah. Right. 
between the teams to make sure it's a competitive, it's not too one too far one way. But to think, not even a year has passed since Ronaldo made the move, the the first and only superstar, and now we're in a situation where I literally couldn't I I couldn't list them all because there's so many that've gone over there. Yeah. You know, you lose count Kessi recently, Brozovic. You know, there's, there's a there's a, there's a tear down from the superstars, but quality players at European level, right? Mm-hmm. We've gone over. Yeah. So. It's Let's mad. see how long before they're in the Champions League. It is mad. But quickly, before we go, we've got to wrap this up very yeah. soon. Kepas in Madrid, loan deal to replace Courtois, who suffered an ACL. What do you think? How has this happened? Like, how has Kepa managed to move to Real Madrid on loan? Like, if you actually think about Kepa, this is the same guy who was, like, having a tantrum and got sorry sacked because he was rubbish, but he didn't want to come off. And this is the same guy who cost 70 mil and was just so bad they had to buy a new goalie within a year. And yet somehow he's had... This is what I don't get, right? People are like, oh, Kepa was good last season. Chelsea came 14th. No one was good last season. No one objectively had a good season last season. He just played for a club in the relegation zone or in the relegation battle. And guess what? When you have to make a lot of saves, you look good. And now he's at Real Madrid. And now he's at Real Madrid. So, Real Madrid fans, you ain't winning shit this year. Kepa is not very good at being a goalkeeper, I'm sorry to say. But, you know what? You deserve it because you've won too much and I also hate you as well. So, weird. Chelsea just doing weird deals, making things weird. Who are Chelsea going to buy in goal now? Fuck knows. Probably Alisson. It's so weird. Kepa's not very good, I don't think. Mm, What do you think? I think out of available goalkeepers that you can get on a low, Kepper is one of few. David De Gea, maybe. David De Gea, three, surely. But on a one-year contract, surely. How much would he cost, though? Would he accept a one-year contract? Don't know if he would, to be honest. He's probably looking for security. And yeah. um, Kepper, you know, he's available, he's Spanish. He can play out from the back, you know? And he, he was brilliant. Bear in mind, he probably has... There's a different view of Kepper over the league than there is here. Because he was really highly rated at Bilbao before he made the move to Chelsea. He got signed for 72 mil, bear in mm-hmm. mind. And obviously it hasn't gone the way we would have expected at Chelsea, but he had a bit of a renaissance last 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 season, albeit Mendy just dropped off the face of the earth. Not all sure what happened from being the best goalie to just nothing. So it kind of makes sense in that regard. Is he as good as Courtois? No. Do Madrid have a drop-off there? I think so. Do you think about what Courtois has done? you know single-handedly saved them in that Champions League final against Liverpool for example I don't think Kepa's that guy so it's a good stopgap make no mistake I think it's a good stopgap I don't think they're going to sign him permanently they put it that way no I mean neither uh, I mean Madrid fans are famously impatient and not particularly generous I can't imagine it's going to be too long before he makes a mistake and they get on his back and it all starts to fall apart but you know, I don't, I don't wish him, don't wish him badly because he's had, he's had enough negativity in his career already. But I'm just very unconvinced about his suitability as a top-flight goalie, especially at Real Madrid, who are actually are a Champions League contender. Agreed, agreed. All right, we're going to wrap it there. Yes. Welcome back. Sorry about the audio issues last weekend. We tried something new. It didn't work. <laughs> we tried to salvage the pod yeah, we and we tried it today and we decided no we're not going to compromise the quality or risk it again so we're back the old fashioned way from the back seat yeah
from the back seat we will review how we get things going forward but for the time being audio quality is king so thank you for listening it's good to be back and we'll see you next time Thank you.